This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, can United find some Christmas cheer as Hibs visit? And at Dundee, it looks like Joker Cummings will be going. Okay, I'm going to sing. The Covid outside is frightful. The results, they ain't delightful. But we've still got a show. So let's go, so let's go, so let's go. Yes, this is Twa Teams One Street at Christmas. You'll be grateful that I don't sing every week. I'm Tom Duffy. Joining in this week are George Cran. Hello. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And certainly for the first time in my company, Alan Temple. Oh, those dulcet pipes have not got any lessened over time. Yes. Damn beautiful stuff. We should let the, we should let the um, listeners know that we are veterans of Arnhem, Alan and I. Absolutely. No. That seems like a very long time ago. It makes it sound like a battle, Aye. actually, which is probably closer to the truth <laughs> well, than anyone it was, would like. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a bridge too far in 1944. It was a pub too far in about 2014, if I remember. <laughs> Much more dangerous than a world war, a Dundee United pre-season tour. <laughs> oh, goodness me. And speaking about Dundee United, we're still waiting on a result, but at least an improved performance at Ibrox this weekend, George. This past weekend. I'm not looking uh, yeah, there's, the future. There's certainly um, positives to take out of the game. Considering the the preparations, the disrupted preparations because of all the COVID-19 effects from their, uh, their trip down south uh, for the Christmas party. Um, and when you, you you saw the start of living, there'd be a bit concerned there. Obviously going to the Champions, Rangers are in good form under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. But obviously, watching from afar and and seeing the highlights afterwards, they certainly didn't uh, let themselves down. The, the youngsters they seemed to really enjoy the atmosphere, which you'd think the concern was that maybe it'd be a bit too intense, a bit much for young players that are just stepping into their very first first team experience. For it to be fifty thousand at Ibrox against. And in form Rangers, there was fear. There'd be fear looking at that, but they they certainly didn't show any fear. Um, and Craig Moore coming in at sixteen. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. He's up against the likes of Glenn Kamara and John Lundstrom has played the last couple of seasons in the Premier League and done very well down south. I mean, surely, I'd, if it was myself, I'd be a bit intimidated coming up against those two. But it, he didn't seem like that affected him at all. Yeah, and Bear, it's, it's one of these funny things. There's a, circumstances dictated United's team selection, but there's a few managers and down the years, if they'd have got away with it, would have fielded a young team at Ibrox and rested their experienced players for matches that were that were more likely to win. Yeah, absolutely. But Tom Court's hand was forced, and uh, I think he said at the end of the game, "This is this is the future for Dundee United." And it was it was really encouraging. Actually, it was incredibly encouraging. I only, I, I, like George, I, I did only see the highlights, but what I saw, you can only be sort of looking at Dundee United and, and thinking, "Well, they've got a lot of kids there that look as though they, they could they've got the, the ability certainly to to move forward in the game." So many coming in, you know, and, and playing at the one time at, at that level is, is is quite outstanding, actually, and. 
you know, on another day, they might have got the Ibrox to a point, the way, the way things were. I think the stats, if you look at them, obviously Rangers dominated possession, but they still look brave on the ball. They still, and, and, and flashes showed they had, had ability. And they weren't overawed by a by a setting, you know, about 50,000 Rangers fans, you know, bearing down on them. And, and you know, it was, it was, you know, so many youngsters to put on such a such a mature display it really does augur well for where Dundee United are at this point in time. Um, it also shows that uh, whatever Tam Courts has instilled on the training ground works even with the guys who haven't been sort of getting a regular taste of first-team football. So a lot of these guys were just thrown in. You know, they might have only known it sort of a couple of days before the game they were going to be getting the opportunity, maybe even at a lesser time. But they've retained the sort of faith in what the manager has told them, the belief he's had in them. They've showed on the part. They've been brave on the ball. And yeah, they nearly came away with an outstanding result. And and unfortunately for them, it was a penalty that, that did them in the end. But, you know, one thing I would say, hopefully now, they they will have come out of that game feeling really good about themselves. And, and they can take that bug forward and really push. The big thing is for them now, they've not made it. They've not done it. They've played in one game. They've got to push really hard now to try and force their way into that team on a regular basis. But playing in front of 50,000 fans, if that doesn't give you a sort of feeling for... You know, getting out there and, and getting in amongst it, then nothing does. So, no, hats off. Hats off to Tam Court. Disappointing result. Um, you've got to take into account who they were playing. But uh, overall, you know, a really encouraging picture of what's going on at Tannadice, not just in the first team, but behind the scenes as well. And Alan, when you see nil-nil late in a game or well advanced in a game at Ibrox or Parkhead, nobody in the, uh, across Scotland in the opposition fans' ranks faints when they're find out there's been a penalty given hmm. but to, but to be fair unfortunate as Scott McCann was it was a penalty yeah the the nature of the way that Dundee United lost the game will be really galling to them because they defended so well and they were so resolute through the whole game and fundamentally it's a really silly penalty to lose it's a flailing arm and there can't really be any argument about it it's an unnatural position there's plenty of distance between Tavernier crossing and McMahon handling the ball so that will be a really galling experience but at the same time I can only echo what the guys say about the, the bravery and I know that it's a kind of disappointing run that Dundee United find themselves in but if there's ever going to be a free hit then Saturday was that free hit um, I know there's no such thing every game is worth three points and all that but given the you know the the youthful nature of that team and the the experience that those young players will get I think you can just write that one off as a really valuable day and in terms of a, a couple of the youngsters I know we're praising them as a, as a collective but you know a couple that deserve particular um, light being shined upon Darren Watson up against Ryan Kent on that flank playing wing back Darren Watson isn't a wing back you know he's not a defensive player but he was up against one of the best wingers in Scottish football and did not do you know didn't do himself any harm at all really really good performance and we spoke to him after the game and really mature lad no chance that's going to his head really determined to kick on from there and as George mentioned earlier, Craig Moore, youngest ever, um, Dundee United senior starter. That's a, you know, that's history book stuff. You know, that's him knocked uh, John Souter off top spot with that particular. Um, I thought it was accolade. John. Suter. I saw George ask the question in our program notes. That makes it sound really professional. <laughs> I, I'm standing on my lobby. <laughs> but, um, I thought it was John Souter. 
I could rem- remember that. Yeah, as you say, it's when you look at some of the teenagers that have played for United, Alan, uh, and made their debuts down the years, he's an illustrious company. No, absolutely. I mean, he's knocked um, guys like Ian Mitchell and Franny Monroe right, right down. Um, so it's uh, not bad company. That You're much older than in. you look, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, that's research rather than experience. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a, it was really, really good day at the, the office in terms of the performance. A lot to be proud of. And you could tell by the way that the Dundee United fans were still singing their hearts out at, the, at full time. They were happy with what they went through uh, to see that they were proud of it. And now it's about getting players back, which we think will happen kind of midweek uh, this week um, and kicking on whenever <laughs> whenever we next see a football match. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on the reasons for the young team, United uh, haven't given exact details of who was missing uh, because of uh, the trip to Newcastle and picking up COVID at some point and where exactly they did. But is this a year for Christmas parties, lad? I've been to one, I have to admit. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> and, yeah. and, I, and I have to say, I, I, I'm approaching this from a very hypocritical yeah, point is, of view. That you're right. In my twenties, if I was a player, I would want to go to a Christmas party. Yeah. In my fifties, if I was a manager or a club official, I wouldn't want a Christmas party. Uh, there is a wee bit of hypocrisy when we're sitting here <laughs> saying that, Tom, because I'm sure we've all. Managed a, a, well, you've a, got a carry out behind you <laughs> a night or two out over the, <laughs> over the, over the past week, but. The term professional footballer goes with their title, so they've got to bear that in mind. And I think every football player knows that while it is a party time for fans and families alike, for a professional footballer, it is one of the busiest periods of the season and a crucially important period as well. So, yeah, maybe it is a wee bit surprising, but the managers, you've got to cut your players a wee bit of slack, I think. You know, and if he trusts his players... You know, to, to to do the right things and and to behave themselves to an extent, um, then yeah, I, I don't see w- what's wrong with that. I mean, I don't think that I mean anybody can pick up this virus, so it, the, the, it's not the case that they've actually got themselves into any bother. We have seen nights out in the past that have, that have ended up in all sorts of shenanigans. I was still, I was still speaking about football. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll not, we'll not, we'll not touch on. Are you about to confess? We're not going to, no, we're not going tell to, on me. We're not going to name any names or anything like that and the amount of time you spent in prison. It was you. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I think you've got to, if you can, if you can buy them a wee bit of time, it can be beneficial as well. It's not, it, it can't all be working, no play, but there's got to be a sort of, a drawing the line and, that, and that's where the senior players come in as well when you're away on these sort of trips. You've, the senior players have got to ensure that the younger ones, you know, don't lose the plot and, and get themselves in all sorts of bother, which can be easy, you know, uh, when, you, when you're a young man and maybe having a, a couple of beers. Because these, these guys, in effect, you know, we all know that there are one or, or two players like a Shandy, but the vast majority of them hardly drink at all. So when they do go out, you know, it's not going to take too much for them to maybe get 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 themselves a wee bit of boisterous, and that's where the seniors players come in and, and and you know put a cap on it. But yeah, yeah, I think it's beneficial both ways, Tom. You know, you've got to be careful, but you know, I, I don't think it would have done the club or or the team team spirit any harm to enjoy a night away. And whether it's Newcastle or wherever it is, to to be perfectly honest, you know, you, you can get in a you can you can get in a bother in probably any any big city in, in the country. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of these things, and you know, I've got on, but they've paid the price. But for a virus, it's affecting everyone. Yeah, but then Alan, you were saying there, it looks like um, 
most of them are okay again. Yeah, well, as um, as we, we rightly say, it's not been publicised who actually contracted COVID. Um, uh, you know, it's a, a medical issue, and unless the players want that to be known, then there's no reason for it to be publicised. But there were clear absentees that you can just look at the team sheet and see the senior players who were absent, and it's probably self-explanatory for anyone that wants to extrapolate from that. And Tam said after the game that we're looking at sort of kind of Wednesday, th- Thursday um, in terms of getting players back. So that will be, you know, when you you hopefully touch would have guys like uh, Paulette and Niskan and uh, Dylan Levitt and guys like that back. That would be key. Benjamin Segrist, of of course, although Trevor Carson was was super at Ibrox. Um, so that's a that's a big thing. Um, so, you know, as I say, you, there's an argument that can be said that on the law of percentages, Dundee United probably would have lost at Ibrox regardless. So, you know, these young kids getting that experience and then you know, fully, if you can call contracting COVID, a rest, uh, a fully kind of rested uh, senior group, touch with, you know, none of them have... have your age, son. Yeah, you know, touch with none of them have, t- have taken it too too badly and they're, they're back fit as, you know, fit as can be and, you know, having, you know, not had that extra 90 minutes under their belt. So uh, that's that's certainly the plan, but it's a movable feast right now. Who, who knows what the next rounds of tests will show. It would be, be silly to make any assumptions. Yeah, George, as Alan says here, what? We like to be honest some of the time, and a defeat at Ibrox is not unexpected. It's maybe maybe if he's missing experienced players three or four days of this week is more of actually more of a problem because they are now on a run of four defeats. I think it is haven't scored a goal in that time, and that's when you want your players on the training pitch. Yeah, that's that's the worry. There's three big games coming as well before the before the break. Um, they can't let this this run go on towards the the winter break. That would end up being seven defeats on the bounce of that. I mean, I that's not going to happen. But oh, there's a bold prediction. <laughs> well, I don't think it is. Not not with this United team. Uh, is it because they're playing Dundee? Eh? I didn't say that. I didn't say anything about. I've watched Hibs last week. I wasn't hugely impressed. I have to say. So I, I think they've got a chance there. Uh, depending on who's back, it looks like an entertaining game though on uh, on Sunday. Uh, Hibs at Tanadice. Um Sean Maloney's first game might be a good time to play them. You never know after after their cup final disappointment. Um, and as I say, when I saw them against Dundee, I wasn't apart from Martin Boyle, who's obviously a serious threat. I wasn't overly impressed with with the rest of the team. So. Uh, I think United have got a chance on Sunday, but as I was talking about the, the form they're on, that they do need to put an end to the the run and just get a goal. Come on, uh, yeah. Dundee can't score either, so uh, it's not the most exciting podcast at the moment. John, but, John, uh, uh, John, John, hello, John. <laughs> Who's John? He's joined us. No, George. Yes. Well, save save up some of the bad news for later, eh? <laughs> Well, go on to Dundee in good time. I just haven't seen a goal in so long. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor you. Bear George uh, touched on it there and to stray into foreign territory, so to speak. Sean Maloney's appointment's an interesting one, uh, is it not? Give it, as much given the circumstances of uh, Hibs have got rid of an experienced manager uh, because they want success right now. And, mm-hmm. and it's highly spoken of and He's been at Belgium, worked with Terry Henry, Roberto Martinez. 
Maloney's never been a manager, so mm. it's uh, it's yeah. It's, there's a wee bit of strangeness there, isn't there? Yeah, CV a CV does lack that, Tom, and you know I think it, it's an interesting appointment. You're right, and I like Sean Maloney. I mean, I, I liked him as a player. He, you know, he was a terrific player. I, I, I liked him. You know, as when he's a pundit, he, he, he certainly talks a lot of sense. Where he's been, he's obviously things have rubbed off on him. You know, he looks to me like a guy who wants to play football. He wants to play attractive football. He wants to play attacking football, which can only be good for the Hibs fans. But Hibs are just sitting right on the cusp, right on the cusp, of, you know, of the, the bottom six. And we're being so tight, he could find himself, if, if he doesn't get off to a, a sharpish start, he could find himself involved at the wrong end of the table. Now, for an untried manager, that could be a difficult, a difficult, you know, position to be in. Um Obviously, Hibs have got faith in him that, that that certainly won't happen. But he's not got any background to having pulled teams away from the drop or anything like that. So he's not got that to, to fall back on. So it'll be interesting to see where Hibs go. But I just think looking at, at Hibs, Hibs team, you know, I do think that defensively that they're a wee bit short and they're a wee bit um, naive at the back at times. Some some of the some of the things that, that their central defenders do leave a lot to be desired in ten, terms of their challenges and their positioning, and that's why the struggle in games. But going forward, as George has mentioned, Martin Boyle is is for me an equal, maybe certainly an equal to Ryan Kent when he's on his game. You know, he terrorises defence with that pace. Uh, I, I think obviously they need a wee bit more out of Kevin Nisbet I think he's a wee bit short at this point in time but that's not to say things won't turn he's obviously he's going to have to take a shake to himself if he wants to be involved in the Scotland setup. Tony Watt is putting a shift in for Motherwell so Kevin Nisbet certainly has to up his game and he's got that in him but it's not happening for it at this point in time but like all good strikers surely it's only a matter of time before he starts finding the net again and they do have you know Kristen Dodge as well to call upon and quite a few others with attacking intent you wouldn't be surprised if the manager's allowed to go and bring in a few players as well to boost that so yeah it's, it's an interesting appointment it'll be interesting to see where they go over the next the next few weeks and United have had their problems with Hibs in the past obviously not Easter Road earlier on in the season when they absolutely turned them yeah. over so they can take they can take a great deal of confidence from that game the Hibs have come to Tardis and also, you know, had victories themselves in the recent past. So it should be an entertaining game. I really, there's got to be goals, Tom. There's got to be goals for United. United kind of go on not scoring. So hopefully, hopefully for Dun United's sake, they managed to get managed to get a few goals themselves and get themselves back on the winning track. Now, you're the man with his finger on the pulse. I'm sure still in Edinburgh, where you've you worked for quite a few years before coming to the bright side of life on the East Coast. Looking at Hibs from the outside, it, it, it seemed to me it was like a blip. And then suddenly Jack Ross is uh, disposed of and they've brought in Sean Maloney. Were things that bad at Hibs? And is it a good time for United to be getting them? Punters haven't been happy with the style of football for a while under Jack Ross. I think there's a perception that it was a little bit pragmatic and not the kind of free-flowing, entertaining stuff that Hibs fans feel that they're entitled to. Um, so that's why a coach like Sean Maloney, who's worked uh, on the coaching staff of one of the most entertaining football teams on the planet, has been sought and brought in. I wouldn't say it was a, a blip under Jack Ross, but again, if you do, if you look at if you look at his record, it was a, a harsh dismissal. You know, he was a couple of weeks before a cup final. The team were on a bad run, but weren't in a relegation battle. And there's always this debate about Jack Ross. You know, he's lost so many finals. But 
he has reached those finals. Yeah, you know, it's know. you know why is losing a final somehow deemed um, worse than? Bear, the do 40? you remember what finals are? No. I, I just about <laughs> do. <laughs> But, you know, it's this weird thing that losing a final seems to be worse than the 40 teams uh-huh. that got put out prior to reaching the final. So exactly. I do think that's a little bit harsh, although I do know where the criticism's coming from. But in terms of looking forward, who knows? I, I was I was covering Hearts during the Ian Cathro days, so I remember what it was like for a young, highly rated coaching staff who's been a coach who's been on the staff of some brilliant world-class teams come in with great fanfare and crash and burn. Um, so uh, that could happen again. Or Sean Maloney could be everything that he's cracked up to be. The bottom line is, with no pedigree as a coach, with no experience of being his own man and dealing with players as the number one, which is very different than being a member of a coaching staff, you never know how, how these people are going to work out. So it's very interesting. I, I, but I would definitely be wary of the new manager bounce on, on Sunday because regardless of how well Sean's going to do in the long term, the players will be absolutely busting a gut to be part of his um, group and plans going forward on Sunday. So I'm not sure it's the best time to be getting them. Oh dear. Well, that, it fitted in well, this boy. That was a typically <laughs> glum end to a there, wasn't it? <laughs> I was really positive coming in <laughs> <Yeah>, as well. <laughs> don't worry, I'll drag you down. Don't, and also, don't worry, we can, we can make this an even darker Christmas <laughs> next Right, moving on to Dundee. Same old story, on the park anyway. Seem to get more laughs off the park just now, George. Well, we'll start with Jason Cummings. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting end to the last week. It sounds like everybody at the Open Goal Live event enjoyed themselves. And it sounded <laughs> like Jason enjoyed himself as well. But Yes, it sounded like he had a very good night out. Yeah, I don't think his Friday was quite as enjoyable, to be honest. Obviously getting sent home from training... Uh, James McPake said he, he wasn't fit to train and then he was left out of the squad at probably the worst time of the season for, for Dundee because considering how short they were uh, first team players uh, ended up with five on the bench only Alex Ekubiak had actually played a league game for Dundee uh, previously um, and he wasn't even fit yet he, he hadn't actually done any contact training because he's he'd done running but Shoulder injury meant he hadn't even got stuck in with his teammates uh, up until that point. Um, and a couple of 17-year-olds on the bench. But yeah, we're talking about Jason Cummings there, weren't we? And yes. I've rambled off <laughs> into <laughs> substitutes. That's not like you, George. You, you, I know. You, di- you diverted yourself back <laughs> onto the fence there. <laughs> Is um, he f- has he played his last game for Dundee? Well, he played for the under-18s uh, on Monday <laughs> night. I, I I would guess so. Um, How many T's in pedantic? <laughs> well, I'm just saying when his last game for Dundee was. So, no, I think his last I think first he team competitive game. He's he he was training today. We're recording on on Tuesday, and he was he trained with the first team today. He'll be trained with the first team. I imagine he'll be in the matchday squad for Sunday because they're so so short of bodies. Whether he actually gets on the pitch, I, I'm I'm not so sure. Um, is I'm the not one this drop beer? Will he be still be there at the end of January? No, I don't think he will. No, just... I thought I asked that to be. You jumped right no, in there. Just, hey, just hey, hey. I saw my lips move there. I never got a chance. He, he, he would not. He would answer his own question <laughs> <laughs> right off that fence. Oh yeah, definitely gone in January. 
I think Corey Panter's got more chance of featuring for Dundee this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's not go mad, yeah. Corey. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm just, I'm just dumbfounded, Tom. I mean, we touched on it about you know, you, when you're a footballer, you get a, you get a mantle, a professional mantle in front of it. You know, you've got to be professional, and it just, it just stuns me that. <sighs> You know, he'd, he'd be at this, at this event. You know, it's all over Twitter. I hoped for his sake it was just an act. I hoped for his sake that he had informed the manager he was going to this and he'd, he'd gone with the club's blessing. But obviously, as it turns out, it wasn't an act and, and he hadn't asked the manager. And, you know, James McPeak's got no option whatsoever. I mean, can, you can imagine the baggage that would get thrown James McPeak's way of... of uh, Jason Cummins is in the squad and in the team against Hearts, you know. Um, so you get you some some people are lucky enough to be given the opportunity to play professional football, and as a lot of people aren't, you know. And Jason Cummins is one of these guys who he has had that opportunity, and the thing about it is he has a degree of ability as well to to play at a decent level. But at this point in time, Jason Cummins has thrown away what's left. You know, he's still got he's, he's still a, a relatively an age where he, he if he gets himself right and trains properly and gets his head on it, he could play for quite a few years yet. But at this point in time, it looks as though his career is going in, in in one direction and it's not up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, over the next wee while. I'm not sure what the contract situation is at Dens or uh, you know if. If you'll just be told that either he's got to buck up or, or he'll be out, or if, if that's even an option at this point, you know, you know, James McPake, I'm sure I'll not be saying anything to the press, but it wouldn't surprise me if, and as soon as the transfer window opens, you know, he finds himself somewhere else. But how he resurrects his his, his career, uh, you know, if you, if you kind of do it, a Dundee side struggling in, in the SPL, what's his next port of call term? He's not far away from. You know, part-time football, I would suggest. And, and we've seen a lot of guys go from part-time football very quickly into junior football and very quickly they're, they're out of the picture altogether. So instead of picking up a wage for the next five or six years, a decent wage at that, he could be shoveling around looking just for, you know, anything he can get, basically. So it's, it's a sad state of affairs for the lad because I do feel, I do feel there is a player in there, but... You know, he came to Dens with a wee bit of baggage, and we've seen, we've, we've seen, unfortunately, that that being opened <laughs> over the last few weeks. Yeah, I was going to say that actually again. You would think we had you on design by design this week, Alan, because again, you you remember him from his early days at Hibs. Uh, um. No, I, Jason's always been. Um, he, he's always run his own race, um, uh, to to put it mildly, and he has. I mean, he's an infectious character when he's in a good place, yeah. and you know he is a, you know he was he was seen as hard work, but he was liked by you know his teammates, and he was seen as a um, a, a nuisance worth kind of nurturing and um, being part of things because of what he could bring on the pitch with his with his talent. But there comes a point where what happens when the distractions start to override the talent. You know, if Jason Cummings isn't scoring goals. But is still being um, his own kind of inimitable self. Then, is it worth the hassle? Um, uh, this particular incident is is not a great one because uh, you know James McPake has an entire dressing room to keep happy, and Jason Cummings has been. I mean, let's not under you know, 
underplay it. He has been a, a terrible teammate, you know, in terms of what yeah. he's done and bringing himself out of contention because, as George has alluded to, they were so short on numbers. They needed every player. It was all hands on deck. They're down towards the bottom of the league. They need everybody there. And he's effectively put himself out of contention for the weekend by, mm-hmm. by doing that. So... James McPake can't let that slide. You know he's got to set an example to the rest of the people in his in his dressing room. So um, I, I like Jason. I, you know I, I think he's an, an entertaining guy. And, and in a time where we kind of decry the lack of personalities in Scottish football, mm-hmm. Jason genuinely is a, a personality, and I don't think there's any badness in him. I really don't. Um, but this hasn't been a good one, and I think Bears' warning kind of rings true. I remember. Um, Going down to going down to watch Edinburgh City games when Derek Riordan was playing for Edinburgh City, and even before yeah. then he was playing for East Fife. And I tell you what, Derek Riordan was an eminently more talented player than Jason Cummings will ever be, and he slipped down to that level. So Bear's absolutely right. When you start to go that way, then it's not out of the question that that's where someone like Jason maybe ends up playing his football. Yeah, and George, maybe maybe just because it's the season of goodwill, and he's let his teammates down, he's let his manager down, he's let the fans down. He's let himself down and you hope now, what is he, 26 now? And he, as we say, he's had a few scrapes. He's, but he's a boy that could be in the Scotland squad and you just hope for his sake that he opens his eyes mm-hmm. and sees for, that from now on, this is what he's got. What he's got to do is be a professional footballer and nothing else to the end of his career because he's probably out of chances. Well, that's the, that's the hope after this week's events because it's been so public Obviously, all this stuff over social media when it was happening, and then of course it was public. It was on a stage in front of about five. <laughs> he got a bigger That's crowd at the hydro than he does at Dens. Aye, but what I'm saying is, it wasn't just going. At least he got on. <laughs> he's been basically battered by everybody, and rightly so because he, he shouldn't have done it. It was, it was daft, um, to say the least. So hopefully, it has given him a kick up the backside because, as you say, he's got two Scotland caps to his name already, which tells you that. The talents there. He scored plenty of goals over his career, um, but as as Alan kind of said about when the disruptions becomes more trouble than it's worth, and it seems like a few clubs have figured that out eventually, um, and they've moved them on. But I get the feeling that Dundee will be moving them on in January as well. Um, his contract is up at the end of the season. Yeah, um, I saw that. But um, the irony is actually on Saturday, he hadn't been in the team at all really, but he probably would have started. I was going to say, if you look at the injury list, if you look at the fact that they've lost the last four and only scored in one of those four games, it was maybe maybe Jason Cummings' time if he could have had a night in. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. He certainly would have played at the very least half an hour. Uh, It probably would have been between him and Griffiths to start. I, I get the feeling that he maybe he'd been a bit fed up as well of not playing, not being left on the bench. Uh, quite often, third-choice striker. I get the feeling maybe he'd been a bit fed up and, and, and would maybe be looking to, to move on. And maybe that's why... Yeah, he was forced to the story. Just... Somebody wrote that's on this podcast today that he was now no longer the best striker at the club as well, George. What was that? Sorry, I missed the Somebody start. wrote a story. Yeah, maybe that's that. Not like you. It's not my fault. Come on. You wrote it. Danny Mullen said it. Oh, a big boy made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, Danny Mullen's right, though. He hasn't scored in the last few, but he's, he's the best striker at that club, which says a lot. Right, guys, to try to, 
to take the team as a whole and give Jason Cummings some respite uh, from his purgatory just now. A narrow defeat against Hearts. You were there, George. You were there, Bear. I listened to it on the radio. Because it's a long, it's a long way from Perthshire to Dens these days, and it was a horrible foggy day. As Dundee seemed to battle hard, give their all, but didn't really look like a nil-nil draw was going to be any more than they could hope for, and they end up another not a, not a disastrous defensive blunder, but another untidy goal conceded, and they lose one nil. Yeah, it was. It was a. Pretty even game in that there was very few chances for either side. Um, it was very similar to the Hibs game, actually. Uh, there, there wasn't many chances in that. Dundee came out on the wrong side of it. Just the, They're feeling a wee bit like the luck's not in. Uh, as you mentioned about the goal, it deflected onto the post and then Jamie Walker follows it in. Um, obviously, the own goal at Hibs was spectacular, but it's not exactly... Uh, your day when that goes in. Um, they're just missing a bit in terms of their attacking uh, threat. They weren't. They didn't really create anything. They weren't able really to open up the Hearts' defence. It did look like it was going to go to a nil-nil. The fog wasn't helping because uh, we couldn't see any of the game at some points. Um, but it felt like they were the bunch of games they'd had before I'd started to catch up with them a wee bit because it'd been the same starting 11 pretty much for the past few games uh, and it felt like a few of them were maybe a wee bit like it. A couple of them I think were carrying injuries. Danny Mullen had been struggling in the, the days before the game, didn't look himself. I think Max Anderson was kind of similar. It just it felt like, yeah, it, just, it was just a wee bit tired, I think. Uh, hopefully this midweek off might just give them a, a wee bit of a break. And we could see a better Dundee on Sunday. At yeah, but it's it's not getting easier for them. Bear no. their next two games no. are against uh, Aberdeen and Livingston. And when they played Aberdeen and Livingston in the first round of fixtures, it was games that you thought, oh, they've got a chance here because there's two struggling teams. Mm-hmm. They've both been improving, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Um, Although, to be fair, Dundee beat Aberdeen and they drew a Livingston, so that should be a, an omen for them that they can go and take someone off these teams. As for Saturday, I, th- I thought I was a nil-nil draw, George. Did Hearts score another saw? <laughs> was that where the other I, end where for I was you, sitting in the Bobby, Bobby Cox stand, I couldn't see the bottom end, you know. Um, I think he'll find as soon as the fog came down, Bear snuck off to yeah. the pub. No, no. No, no. Uh, we we realised Hearts has scored, though, by the roar, of course, uh, coming in our direction. Um Oh, there's a thing. I'm not sure what what the ruling is, Tom. How, when does the referee decide that you know it's a game is unplayable? It's just when you kind of see both goals from the halfway line. Is it something like that? I, I, you're I setting up. You're setting me up for the story that everyone's no. heard. For, uh, every referee of a certain age claims that one time Dundee manager, but actually was it Falkirk at the time? Bob Shankly is reported to have said to them all at one time or another, and it was. Uh, when the referee went to the line and said, Mr. Shankly, I'm going to have to call off the game. The visibility is not good enough. And he pointed to the sky and said, what's up that up there, son? And the referee said, the moon. And Bob Shankly said, how far do you need to see? (laughs) 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 No, uh, but just, uh, I'll be honest with you, I mean, it's a spectator sport and I, I guarantee you from the Bobby Cox stand, we could not see for the last 15 minutes what was going on 
in the final third of the park, and you didn't see Hearts scoring. I never saw it until until uh, I saw on the on the television uh, later th- at night. But uh, yeah, in terms of the result, you're right. Uh, you know, Dundee did look a wee bit flat. I think there are positives to take from it, and, and as much as I thought the goalkeeper and defence did well, they, they kept Hearts at bay. The, the goalkeeper didn't have a lot of saves to make. Craig Gordon didn't have a lot of saves to make as well. Um, but my big fear was that Hearts would get that first goal and if they did, how did Dundee get back into it? And it never really looked like doing that. I think there's a lot of pluses to take in the fact that Christy Elliott, I thought, did well at right-back. Cammy Kerr showed just how valuable a player he is for Dundee, going over to left-back and not looking out of place and trying to drive the team forward. When they were really struggling, there seems to be a... When Charlie Adam doesn't play, there seems to be a disconnect between you know, the back and the front there, isn't it? You know, we, we don't seem to get up the park as well. We don't seem to create so many good chances. Um, I thought McGee and Fontaine did well in, in the centre of defence. But George is right. I, you touch on it. I mean, I think, I don't like going on about luck because when you're at the bottom of the league, you do tend to get bad luck stories on a more regular basis. But the luck has dried up for Dundee. You know, the, the, there's the own goal from Danny Mullen at Ross County, the own spectacular own goal from uh, uh, Paul McMullen at Easter Road. You know, and then that one on, on Saturday, which I saw eventually on the box when, it, you know, it comes, comes off, off Fontaine. And it, him, yeah. it could have come off the post and went anywhere really. But fair play to Jamie Walker. He's the one that has reacted quickest and got himself in there and tucked it into the net. I also feel that, the, obviously, for Danny Mullen, the goals have have dried up. You know, he's off the post that County blazes over a, a decent chance at Hibs, which, you know, the games prior to that, he would, he would have buried. And then on, on Saturday, they had just one wide late on uh, um, against Craig Gordon although I do feel it's something special to beat uh, Craig Gordon from outside the box um, what what we desperately need is we need a spark and uh, we know who I'm talking about here we need Lee Griffiths to come to the party for Dundee because he's the man could, that could make the, the difference um, I was good to see him getting some minutes under his belt I think that'll do him a lot of, a lot of favours um, but we need him to show the sort of form that that, that got him to where he was in, Scot- in the Scottish game um, everything he just seems a yard off at a wee bit at the moment. Um, he just kind of got on the end of things. But if he, I think those minutes and a, a good a good week's training this week. Hopefully, you know he he'll get his sharpness up because they're in a situation now where the start of this run of this festive period really well. We thought they can really push on from here, but those four defeats have set them back now, and they need to go and pick up points in these next three games that are coming up. Is vitally important. Uh, fortunately, the way things stand, they won't be bottom at Christmas, which I think that's one thing they can take from that. But it's, it's now time for them. We need something. As a Dundee fan, you begin to think, obviously they have had injuries, but every club gets injuries, but they need to do a wee bit more. And uh, for me, Griffiths could be the man. If we could get him firing, um, we could start seeing some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Anyone coming back from Boxing Day? For Boxing Day, George? Just been up at Dens this morning. They're hopeful. Uh, Sean Byrne was doing a bit of training today. Um, the manager mentioned the hope they'll see him before the end of the year. They hope they'll see Charlie Adam again before the end of the year. The good news was they didn't have any extra injuries from Saturday or any more, um, which I think is as good as you can ask for at the moment. It's always a sign of a team that's not winning. Oh, what's the good news? Indeed. <laughs> um, but they'll have Ryan Sweeney back from suspension, um, which adds an extra player, which every extra player at the moment is a bonus. Um, and frees up Jordan McGee, actually, which is good. Because Jordan McGee can pretty much play anywhere uh, at the moment. 
it's a very handy player to have. Um, but no, I, I don't think there'll be any. There may be a, an extra name or two on the, uh, in the squad, but in terms of the starting eleven, I don't think anybody will be ready enough to be to be back in. Well, hopefully both Dundee and United can make it a happy Christmas this weekend for their fans, but only time will tell. Now, I, I was planning, guys. I'd printed off sheets. I was planning to have a wee bit of carol singing at the end and a wee bit of festive cheer, but unfortunately... He said with his usual smile that greets bad news. More bad news for Scottish football as a whole. From from Boxing Day, for three weeks at least, 500 maximum crowd at outdoor events. Who wants to say disaster first? We're all in a state of shock. I don't see how that... I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but... I mean... There's massive games, massive derbies coming up. And we're obviously thinking about the one on our own doorstep. I mean, that's a massive hit that Dundee FC are going to have to take. I mean, when you think about it, if it's only 500 fans at that game, Dundee, you would think we'd have to go to their season ticket for season ticket holders and then do a ballot of 500 that'll get into that game. But then we'll lose revenue from, you know, the game would almost be a sellout. So you're looking at possibly 6,000 in all tickets premium rate, you know, they're, they're going to have to, they're going to lose out on, but it's a six-figure sum straight away, and there's, there's derbies right across the country, so, I mean, how that helps everyone, I'm not so sure, Tom, I, I don't know, I mean, I mean, obviously there's revenue to be made from the, the, the streaming of the game or, or, or something like that, but that, Nothing that to like me, as well, as, well as that, Tom, the derby is the best, you ask any Dundee and Dundee United fan, the derby is the best game to be at obviously it's, it's the that worst was game because during the 80s you yeah. were playing for yeah. you were playing yeah. for North End well, on a Saturday right. afternoon yeah. I was going yeah yeah <laughs> it's, if you win if you win I'll, I'll put that in as well I've got to say but no seriously the atmosphere at Tandice at the start of the season was fantastic you know and you're looking forward to replicating that at Dense Park with a full house and I would suggest that given the fact that we are so close to the shutdown effectively a week to, to, to just say right, over the course of that weekend, yeah every, there's five, three every, five, every team's five, got three or, or four possible games like there's games obviously this midweek before Christmas but see every team's got three games it would have been wiser just to, to call those games and try and piece them in over the next half of the season have the break now go go for it right after Christmas Day right through to the Scottish Cup ties hopefully things will be in it will be in a better uh, place in terms of, uh, of Covid and get these games played within that within that period between then, now and the end of the season and we could still get the fans back. I mean, yeah, I'm, not sure what the, the, I'm not sure what the, the clubs are going to say about this, but they're going to be wanting compensated for it, Tom. Yeah, Alan, I mean, we were chatting uh, before we pressed the record button and your sources, that makes us sound professional again, guys, <laughs> were telling you that the, the, the football authorities were leaning towards postponement rather than restriction. I think certainly premiership clubs would far rather postpone these fixtures and squeeze them in at a later date, bring forward the winter break that we're going to have anyway in the next yeah. couple of weeks. So it's a lot easier for these clubs to budget financially for these big revenue games at some point in the future 
February, March, wherever, rather than fill a financial black hole that is caused from them being played behind closed doors. That seems to be the common sense way to go about this, um, certainly from a, a premiership perspective. And even for championship clubs, you you look at, there's a there's a Fife derby that would have been a cracker on January the 2nd. That's a, another yeah. a huge game for those respective clubs in terms of finances. So I... Yeah, I'm slightly baffled by this. It seems like a decision has been made with a broad stroke brush in terms of all outdoor events have this particular um, capacity for this particular time. I suppose we've still got the thing. The government can say 500. The authorities can say postpone. Yeah, well, that's it. And I think those, from what we gather, those talks are going on in terms of the premiership uh, clubs. So perhaps we will come to a stage where the SPFL certainly rearranged these premiership fixtures because, uh, I mean, as with a lot of things in Scottish football, um, if Rangers and Celtic aren't too happy about it, then um, there's maybe more of a chance of something getting done. And the fact that there happens to be a bumper sellout old firm game um, in that particular window could be helpful for the rest of the premiership clubs who would also prefer to have a a postponement. And I mean, just from a, a morale point of view as well, like, you know, fans have been through this soulless lockout and watching these games that don't feel right. And, you know, the from a mental perspective, fans have enjoyed being back in stadiums. It's been so important during a tough time. It's almost crueler to now be locked out again, having had that taste of being back in stadiums. It's just, you know, from a... And I realise there are bigger concerns, but just from a, a morale perspective for the, the event going public to have this taken away just seems particularly cruel for such big occasions. Yeah, and George, just to sort of show the public out there that it's not just them that's suffering here, what's it like covering one of these games? It's not great. Although you do get to hear what Paul McGowan is shouting at everybody, which is quite <laughs> entertaining at times. It expands your vocabulary quite considerably, <laughs> but not in a family situation. Yeah, but no, it's pretty soulless, I have to say. Even I remember doing the the playoff final when there was 500 back in the stadium and what a difference that made. It was incredible, I have to say. Um, but going from full crowds again, back to 500, just it doesn't, no, it's... it's it's not great at all. Um, and the players don't like it either. Speaking to the players, they, they don't want to play in front of empty stands. They get um, extra from the crowd. Uh, it might not always be the nicest things that's getting shouted at them, but um, when there's that atmosphere, we're talking about the, the United kids playing in that atmosphere at, at Ibrox, it, it probably spurred them on a bit uh, compared to it. If if Ibrox had been empty, uh, it maybe you can see the intensity just drops uh, in the players sometimes, and it's probably why there's so many massive results uh, down south, uh, Liverpool getting some seven two and things like that. I think that don't remember part that of that much. was. Well, I had to mention that one. Yeah, and I've got to say as well, Tom, from my own perspective, from from Dundee point of view, Dundee were given just one one derby effectively before the split. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you can imagine how they'll be feeling. I mean, there's a good chance. I mean, Dungeon United, they're obviously on a, a, a bit of a poor run at the moment, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility. They will finish in the top six and Dundee could finish in the bottom six. So if Dundee's one derby was was effectively in front of 500 fans, you could imagine just how aggrieved they would they would feel well, about that. I, I mean, that's that's yeah. something that needs to be taken into account. I mean, yeah, they've been, been up there this morning. This was probably the... 
they want to postpone it basically because the ticket. Well, there was there was only a few hundred short sellout for the derby, so I don't think I don't think many clubs would be in a position to be able to to refund that level of, of tickets really for these games. So I, I I think the only sensible method to go with is postponement and push them on to when things are a bit brighter. Well, hopefully, if that's what the teams want, that's what they get. And then they can all have a drink on Christmas Day, New Year's <laughs> Day, and sp- spend spend the winter break trying to get fit again. Anyway, all that's left is to wish... I was waiting... To, this is doing it virtually. I looked at the screen and I was waiting to say, wish you four a Merry Christmas. <laughs> but I'm actually one of those four. So I'll wish you three a Merry Christmas. And everyone who's listening, have a right good time this weekend. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.